モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Alright and welcome back GVGP listeners It is now time for another installment pack for the generic video game podcast We are about to embark on DLC pack 3 featuring our second installment with longtime friend and global gaming icon Terry Wolfinger Welcome back to the show Hey thank you very much Greetings. What's been going on? It's, it's been 11 months. Yeah. Isn't that long? <laughs> yeah. We said we were going to have you back on in about two or three weeks.、Yeah. It's, it's been almost a year. Part two took a little while, didn't it? <laughs> well, we're on the game fan schedule. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're already, already starting off with a bag、Aww. there. Good. <laughs> game fan taking shrapnel in the first 30 seconds of the podcast. <laughs> But、uh, all jokes aside, for listeners, it is a pleasure to have you back. It's once again,、uh, you got myself here,、uh, Anthony, which doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot,、Aww. but I'm joined alongside the one and only Molly and our very special guest this evening, none other than Terry Wolfinger. So、uh, welcome back aboard. Well, thank you. Never、again. heard of him. Yeah, who are you? <laughs> so、uh, you're, you're that guy that's been on,、uh, has had your work on everything from famous monsters. To game fan, to hardcore gamer mag.、Yeah. You've been at the Monster Paloozas, San Diego Comic Con, worked at Stan Winston, T3, Asura's Wrath, this, that, and the other. <laughs> the list goes on and on. That's true.、All、and it's still going. Somewhat, we'll, yes. We'll, we'll whet the listeners' ap-、uh, their appetite a little bit. Now,、All、I、right. didn't know about Azura's Wrath, so I'm actually interested to hear about that part too. He、uh, built the whole game himself. Yeah,、wow. I, I <laughs> animated it with pencils. <laughs> they, they said it couldn't be done like the days of Atari from the late 70s. No longer could you do it in your basement, but he proved otherwise. That's true. No.、Uh, I think it was E3 maybe two or three years ago by now. We, we... Yeah. The game hit in first quarter 2012, so I'm assuming E3 2011. Uh, that's probably accurate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was actually it was a little while ago. We, it was a huge banner of Azura's Wrath, like the character kind of throwing a punch with molten lava looking stuff behind him. Very wrathful. <laughs> so I, I was the lead illustrator on that.、Um, wow.、Yeah. That's one of those games I still haven't gotten to that I really need to because everybody like, talks so highly about it. I played the demo. I didn't play the whole game. But it was fun. For what it was and what it set out to accomplish in terms of like essentially an anime with you know, gaming touches, we'll say, in game form, I felt it, it excelled. It succeeded in that respect.、Mm. Yeah.、Uh, I liked it. If someone's into artsy stuff, something a little bit different. Uh, you're not going to get hours upon hours of gameplay, but if you want to see how you can kind of take an anime and put it into gaming form,、uh, it was fantastic.、Mm. But、uh, as a little refresher for those,、uh, and for those who haven't heard、uh, the first installment、uh, with Terry Wolfinger, you can check it out at radio.morningproject.com. And that was uploaded around November 2015.、Wow. You can catch that for the early goings in Terry's career leading up to just about present day. This evening, we hope to share some more fun and enlightening stories, as well as what he's been up to recently, how he got there, 
improving his work, taking his work to the next level, what he's got in store for the future, what he's got coming up, uh, as well as his new site at wolfinger.bigcartel.com, mm-hmm. as well as whatever else comes up this evening. Now, who is this big cartel? <laughs> who is it? <laughs> yes. Um, it is a site that allows people to basically kind of open up their own online shops. Oh. So there's like a... Sm- huh? Go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. There's, there's a small fee uh, every month, you know. Um, to, and, and basically they have a blueprint for you and you can plug in all your artwork and stuff. And uh, So it's, it's a place where I sell my prints and arts and stuff like that. It is like a digital art commune is what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, there's other people that have the little shops and they sell t-shirts or jewelry or whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty handy, you know. Um, It's uh, linked up to PayPal and uh, you have a shopping cart and, you know, all the systems that make it function like a real... Uh, shopping website so yeah it's 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 really been been pretty cool well i didn't plan to start here but uh, now is as good a time <laughs> as any um since we're talking about this at wolfinger.bigcartel.com uh-huh. just like it sounds some amazing work for those who haven't seen it's got a lot more of your up-to-date stuff oh thanks everything here from classic mummy to jason Voorhees to the one and only freddy krueger uh michael myers Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, awesome Mad Max cover from a recent issue of Famous Monsters. So those who are listening can check it out um, while we talk about it. So phenomenal work, fantastic. Oh, well, I think, it was, I think it was really interesting too is that like because I know that some of our our listener base, you know, would know Terry from like the Game Fan era, but I think that if that's what you know him as, and you see this kind of artwork, <laughs> yeah, it's just so different and it's on such another level. And nothing against your game fan stuff, but I mean, like, you, I don't think people can really appreciate, like, <clears throat> your talent and kind of your range of art styles, like, just having seen, you know, game fan. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, I, it's, yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, I don't think there's anything from game fan on that site. It's probably mostly the stuff I've been doing the last four or five years or so, and, uh, which has mostly been in the monster, monster realm. <laughs> Um, seems where I've kind of found a new niche for myself. But uh, Mon- Monster Realm and also kind of like some like classic Hollywood stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the classic stuff. You know, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, and Boris Karloff, Frankenstein, and, you know, that kind of stuff, and The Bride. And, um, how, how, if, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but I don't want you to give your secrets away, but... Uh, uh, when you take a piece like, let's say, um, let, let's just say the Michael Myers, uh-huh. and let's say without interruption, just pure workday hours, like I know it could take longer than this due to interruption or timing, but if you a piece like that, how many hours do you think that takes you from start to finish? Um, start to finish, if it, that's we're just adding up the hours, maybe a good a good week, you know, like a work week, maybe. Yeah, like maybe a good. 40 hours. I mean, wow. Sometimes two weeks, maybe. Wow. And sometimes ass- they've gone quicker, like maybe three days, you know, but right. I'm assuming that's due to the high level of detail. 
Yeah, like I recently did a Freddy Krueger portrait, and uh, that one took a while, you know, because he's got all that burn tissue in his face with all the little noodly bits that you really got to <laughs> get in there and <laughs> render each little bit of <laughs> burnt flesh. <laughs> now, there's there's one that fans aren't able to see quite yet, but it has been posted on your Facebook and Famous Monsters has already started promoting it. Ah. Uh, you have done an awesome piece featuring Ash of the Evil Dead series to help coincide and promote Ash versus Evil Dead coming out in the near future, the TV series. And I have to say, I'm not just saying this to, to kiss butt and give you a big ego, but it was an amazing piece. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the, the people I did it for were, were hyping it too. That's my best cover, so... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I was happy how it came out. That's yeah. I, I, I just saw that and I was trying to go back to Terry's Facebook to look at that picture again. Um, but in, I don't know if I went to the wrong page or what, but instead of that, Uh-oh. I get a picture of Terry in a giant waffle. Costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up there too. <laughs> ah, the waffle costume. That well, that goes back to Stan Winston days. Um, uh, when I was working as a key artist for Stan Winston Studio, uh, he he also you know he did work on Aliens, Predator, Jurassic Park, all that stuff, um, and Terminator series. Uh, he also did work for commercials too. So, Ego Waffles wanted a a suit design for you know, someone to wear. And if you, if you Google like Stan Winston, Ego waffle commercials, you'll see the, you'll see all the commercials, but, uh, it's basically, uh, you know, this big Ego waffle costume and they needed uh, a test, uh, a Guinea pig to, to test it out, to, to see how it looked. And I, I was the lucky one to got to wear it and get photographed. <laughs> so, that was fun. Okay, so so you have a personal page and you have an art of Terry Wolfinger page on Facebook. Ah, yes. yes. Yes, I do. So, no. so if you if, if, real quick, if you throw if you search for the art of Terry Wolfinger on Facebook, that's where you can see the ash. You can see the ash cover on my regular page too. I believe. Hmm. I guess I couldn't find it, but. Oh really? Now, real, real quick, not to interject, the Stan Winston, since you mentioned his name, we'll tackle this right now. Mm-hmm. I believe where we left off last time, you did give us background on him, your work there. But what hadn't happened at that point in time is after our recording, you went on and did some uh, sessions online for uh, artists and individuals who were interested in that field. Uh, didn't you do that for Stan Winston with his son, I dare say? Am I? Oh, yeah. Or am I... Did, that, did that happen in the duration between our podcasts <laughs> i think so okay. i think so yeah it's a while ago but yeah how did that go what was that experience like that was, uh, interacting that's pretty interesting it was a it was basically a live feed podcast kind of thing well yeah it was just a, a live video feed where i was kind of teaching a two-day course on uh kind of a portrait illustration and character illustration. I had one day where I uh, basically drew the portrait in pencil first and it was a four hour class and basically it was just 
a live class where, you know, the students could pay to, to watch me draw this piece and you get to see me work. And I talk about the process as I'm drawing. And, uh, then the second part was, um, Photoshop painting where I took my drawing, scanned it, and basically again showed my process on how I, I paint my, uh, do my work for my portraits and stuff. And that piece you did was uh, of Stan Winston himself, was it not? Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to think what would be an appropriate thing. You know, you could do a monster or something or a creature, and I was like, well, since I'm I'm kind of doing more of the portrait stuff, I I talked to his son. Uh, Matt Winston, who runs the school, it's the Stan Winston School of uh, Character Arts, and it's 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 an online school, and you can sign up for web courses and you know either participate live, like you know you could ask questions while I was working, or you can then see the recorded version of it later, or uh, buy my class on a DVD. So, um, there's lots of other classes too, you know, portraits and creature sculpting and how to make, you know, how to make eyeballs and how to make uh, prosthetic arms and, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I thought it was uh, that was a nice little touch. I thought that was kind of brilliant. I'm assiming the uh, son was very appreciative. Yeah. No, man. You chose to do. Exactly. I, we had met a few times, you know, when I, was working for his dad and, and and he's a really nice guy awesome guy and uh you know after his dad passed away he uh has kind of devoted his uh life to uh this school in his father's name so it's 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 a really cool thing because kind of keeps the name of stan winston alive and and uh yeah it's just a neat thing and so all these industry guys teach these uh these really great classes so People want to break into the effects business. Uh, give that a, a look. Oh, cool! Yeah. I remember checking some of it out at the time, and it was very well done. Yeah, uh, v- very talented. And um, now, speaking of art and what you've been up to, we've touched base a bit on famous monsters. Uh, mm-hmm. And before the show, uh, so listeners know, there was some stuff that we went over in advance. Uh, as to avoid discussing stuff that was under NDA or making sure I didn't ask about stuff that I wasn't supposed to. But there are a couple big-time AAA major projects in the present and near future you're working on now. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, so what's... Uh, uh, all right, uh, we've seen the hype videos, uh, pretty much the most renowned, well-known fighting game on the planet. Uh, has a sequel coming out first quarter 2016. The roster keeps getting better and better. And in some capacity behind the scenes, uh, you're involved a bit with that. Uh, and what I'm speaking of is the one, the only Street Fighter V. Mm. Well, that again was for a, a promotional thing we did for E3. But, uh, you know, it's it was so well received that it's, it's just, you see it everywhere. It's, you know, T-shirts. I think they used it for the box art. And, uh, you know, I, I worked on it, but I wasn't really the one responsible for the the image. Um, it's the image of Ryu uh, with his kind of arms crossed in front of him. Oh, 
And the really, red... see, I, was, I was gonna ask you what image it was like i, I yeah. wasn't expecting that one wow the red gloves that kind of formed the v the v right. for roman numeral five so yeah I, I worked on it i i didn't i didn't i wasn't the lead on that uh my my good friend and uh creative director clarence lansang is, is pretty much the one that came up with that concept and did most of the work on it i just kind of you know helped out here and there no, it's an awesome image. Like, like that's the image oh, yeah. actually. It's funny because that's the image I use at work when we're doing like Street Fighter stories. Oh, funny, yeah. Um, that's the one I usually use because such a it's it's striking image with the color and just the pose and, mm-hmm. and the style and things like that. Right, that nice kind of painterly style and um, yeah, that was that was fun to work on. And the estab- and where you work, I, I won't give their name, or, you know, but. Uh, uh, your workplace, they're involved in cutting all those videos and all those promo videos and stuff that have been coming out over the past six to nine months, correct? Uh, a lot of them, yeah. I, yeah. I can't say everyone, but they've, they've done a, a good share of them. Yeah, they do the broadcast video stuff for a lot of games, and they do web stuff. And Are you familiar with the, the Hunt the Truth uh, web yes. webisode thing? That's the company I work at, and I've recently been working on the... Uh, Kind of the storyboard illustrations for that piece, for that series. So, so when you got involved with them, like were were they already working with game companies, or was something that kind of happened as as you were there? Uh, the company I'm working at now. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's, it's just so it's so funny that you've gone from right. you know doing doing games for a game magazine to doing in some ways game stuff for a more you know art promotional media kind of company right right yeah it's they, they they were doing it that's that's pretty much their their focus is the gaming industry they, they do stuff outside of that too but it's it's mostly gaming that they uh they do so that uh, so then is that is that kind of how you got connected with them was because of your game connections or uh no let's see <clears throat> i got into advertising Maybe about seven years ago or so. Um, well, it's funny. Um, before that, kind of after my last stint at Stan Winston Studio, I kind of went off with some friends and we partnered up and we were trying to get some video game and other projects going. Um, and, you know, it nothing really happened. Um, but in that span of time, I was uh, just kind of working freelance. You know, I was doing doing art for box covers and magazine covers and, you know, the stuff I've kind of always done. And uh, and then the work kind of started, started drying up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was companies like the company I'm at now that kind of got into that world of like, well we'll start making magazine covers and do the art for the boxes. So, you know, I ended up joining up with one. (laughs) So kind of ironic. They kind of took my work away. So I ended up joining them to get (laughs) the work back. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's always been a big question because like, it's so funny because, um, on NeoGAF, there was a, a thread about the Streets of Rage box art. And then okay. how, if you go and then look at the Final Fight 2 box art, there were actually 
elements that were directly copied from one to the other, hmm. but that it was the same artist who worked on it. And then, then it kind of brings the whole conversation of just, you know, box art when games come to America, because that used to be a really big deal in terms of like the 16-bit era, you know, because like Genesis games and Super Nintendo games were always changed from the, from the Japanese art. Hmm. And so box art has always been a kind of an interesting thing because I think that most people who buy games and play games just have no concept of where that stuff comes from. Right. Yeah, it is funny, the different uh, regions, you know. Like you said, like people in Japan, probably it's a completely different uh, image on their cover for whatever game might be and. The American sensibilities, like, you know, they gravitate towards X and, uh, you know, the Asian sensibilities are a little, you know, more something else. And European, it's, you know, it's something else again, you know, it's it's kind of like fine-tuned per region almost, which is, uh, you you can see, you know, the same game, but from depending on what country it's come from, you might have like three or four different images and kind of similar with magazine covers too. Now, would you say though, present day Molly, is it fair to say that some of that gap has been closed to an extent, ironically, even though what I find so ironic is that the Japanese scene isn't as prevalent as it used to be here in terms of its, you know, uh, it's stranglehold on the industry. But in some ways I feel like we get more of the Japanese box art ironically today than we did in the past when they used to be King. Mm. Oh yeah, I, I, def- I definitely do. Like, I think like we that there's, I mean, for the companies who are kind of big into Japanese releases, like they tend to keep it pretty close these right. days. But no, it's like it's just it's so funny because thinking about like the Genesis stuff. Like, I remember, you know, what Boris Vallejo did, like <laughs> the Golden Axe covers and stuff, and that's just like so crazy to think about now. And, right, and, right. And there was this era where, you know. As a fan back then, it was kind of like, oh, why are we getting these ugly covers in America, <laughs> you know? But now, if you kind of look back at the art of it, there's an interesting appreciation level for for just how much work was going into covers versus mm-hmm. now, which I think this would be a, a th- interesting thing to hear your opinions on, um, Terry, is like, I think now a lot of covers end up being, we have like layered character art. Let's just throw a bunch together onto a background and kind of call that cover right uh yeah that that happens a lot too (laughs) sometimes the the publisher well it's it's, it's usually the publisher that's in charge of what goes on the cover um you know we we submit ideas but um a lot of times it's just kind of like well let's let's get renders of the characters from the game and we'll put them all together and we'll call it a cover, you know? <laughs> what, what do you feel as an artist from an artist's perspective, taking the business element out just in terms of passion, do you feel when that occurs, do you feel some of the life or spark is taken out of the cover when it's just uh, cut down to that level or a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer, you know, the painterly stuff and I mean, that's, you know, going back to game fan, that was kind of what led me to kind of start thinking about other things to get into. Because back when games started going 3D, you know, CG heavy, um, then we had the developers 
and publishers sending us the images that they wanted on the cover instead of having us create the cover in-house. They're like, well, no, we have this great 3D renders and we just want you to use that. And so that kind of took over for a while and it's still pretty prevalent, you know. Yeah, definitely. Most of the stuff is the high-end CG stuff and a lot of the times, you know, we we use CG models as the base for our paintings and then we we paint on top of them and re-illustrate them to give it kind of this hyper-realistic feel to it. And uh, so there's there's still that CG element, but every now and then you get to do one that's just you know all hand painted. Those are those are fun. What so I- so I, like, um, I so when you were young, I mean, not necessarily video games, but I think about like when I would go into a store and look for CDs. Like back when that was a thing, people still did, you know. Like, uh-huh. Um, well, I can I go back so- and look for vinyl records. Yeah, but. <laughs> I remember so many times when I would just buy a CD because I saw the cover. Right. And, and something about that cover like caught my eye, and I'm like, this is something I want, even though I know nothing about the artist or the music or whatever. And I think video games were that same kind of way. So, mm-hmm, you know, exactly. when, when, when you were young, like, what were your feelings towards like, like covers and, and be it a magazine or, or, or a, a, you know, LP or, or whatever? Like, yeah. What was that kind of magic in seeing those and, and wondering what the product was? I bought so many video games based on the cover, <laughs> and more often than not, I was disappointed. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the cover is designed to grab your attention. It, it's what you see on the rack. You know, if you're just, you know, it, it's it's different now. Though you don't, you know, you you have the internet now, where you're getting bombarded with advertisements and. Um, but yeah, it was designed to to pique your interest, like comic book covers too. You know, you know, sometimes it'd be a, this really awesome painted cover. I'm like, oh man, I'm getting that. And then you open it up, it's like, oh, the art inside is. Really, I hate that. Really subpar. I hate that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of miss that approach. Uh, and uh, you know, speaking of album covers and CDs, like I think it, the band was like. Is it Molly Hatchet? Like, you know, not music that I really listen to, but man, the covers that they, they, I think they must have licensed Frank, Frank Frazetta paintings. Uh, Cause yeah, mm. there's these amazing Frank Frazetta <laughs> that I don't know if has anything to do with the music. But <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just whatever catches your eye to, to, to sell the whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they kind of just create, like, you know, like, I've been the same base that you were, is buying a lot of games because of the cover and then getting them home and they're, like, nothing like that and you're really disappointed. But, right. like, seeing those covers would just kind of get your, you know, imaginative juices flowing and you're like, oh, my God, what is this world? What's it going to be like? And and I do think we kind of have lost that in, in a little way. A little bit, I, yeah. Uh-huh. I think you're right. I, mean, I, I I know, like on the magazine side, we just did um, four covers, and at least two of them were basically kind of just the box art for the game. That we happens put on a there. lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's more just like okay, if somebody sees Call of Duty on the cover, they're going to buy it. 
Right. Versus if they see this really interesting cover about a game they don't know. Yeah. They so. kind of want they want the quick recognition. They don't want someone being like, what is right. that? I don't know what that is, so I'm maybe not going to look at it. They want instant recognition. So that's why there's a big picture of Sonic, you know, filling up the whole space, you know. <laughs> so they want you to recognize Sonic or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, well, and let's not forget before we uh, move too far along, aside from Street Fighter V that we mentioned earlier, there's oh. another biggie, uh, another title, a franchise that Molly holds dear to her heart. Uh, you've also dabbled a bit in the upcoming Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, that was a, a magazine cover I worked on a little while ago. Uh, yeah. It, it was a Game Informer? Game Informer, yeah. It was It was a you know front and back page. You, you know, you open it up, it's all one scene. Um, I had the two two characters coming down a hallway. Then there was a zombie coming. I think you know if, if you flip the back page open, then you the the zombie was coming through a door or something like that. That was a while back. Now let me ask you this: In having done that, uh, what are your feelings, having been around the industry for so long, having seen? Laura Croft transition from what she was in 1996 versus what she is now 20 years later. I actually really like what they've done with her character. You know, I mean, the the first Laura Croft was 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 fun, but I mean, <laughs> she she was a cartoon. You know, she <laughs> she was definitely not uh, a real person. Right. But I I kind of like that. You know, she's vulnerable and just kind of thrown into this crazy circumstance and has to learn to survive and stuff. And it's gritty. And I mean, she still does really impossible things. Right. <laughs> no one can do, but, um, I, I, I do kind of like what they, they, they have done with her. And I, I must admit, yeah, I have to give them an A plus for the redesign that they've performed. on her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the series went from being like the hottest thing and, had a couple sequels that were, you know, were still hot, but I didn't feel they were as good as the original. And then as time went on, they rebooted that series so many times. And when they did this again, maybe two, three years ago, I was like, oh, God, not again. Mm. And yeah. I got to tell you, they really, it saved that series. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not only did it save it, I would argue that <clears throat> the latest incarnation of tomb raider is superior to mm. the original you know for its time i mean it's right. just oh yeah it's just better in every aspect sure you know oh it's gorgeous looking too yeah um but, uh, yeah I, I recently worked on a bunch of stuff on that too i think i think the stuff we did was for a magazine covers it's laura croft and she's just climbed up and she's standing at the mouth of like this snow covered cave and it's kind of a temple archway ruin that she's about to enter and she's holding a flare above her head. Um, yes. Yeah, that was that was a big uh big thing we worked on for last E three as well. Wow. Yeah. Me and, you know, a handful of guys. Uh, you know, I was one of the illustrators on that. Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean is that a thing where like your company just gets connected with 
you know, Square Enix or Microsoft or something like that? Or are, was like, would a Game Informer come to you and commission you for that? Or how does that work? Yeah, basically, it would be through Microsoft um, and kind of whatever games they're working on. And, and sometimes we have to bid on the project against other companies. And, and sometimes we've, we've done the work on other games that, you know, they really like the work we've done. So they'll, they'll hand us the next project. Um, yeah, we, we did all kinds of Microsoft, Microsoft stuff last year. Um, but that, that was one of the big ones. Um, there was, there was a cool piece you did not to cut you off and the name isn't clicking with me just yet. And, no disrespect to the the game itself. It looked a lot like Halo, but it wasn't Halo, and it was a primarily PC and I think PS4 based. I want to say Planet Side Two, but I think I've got that wrong. Uh, I did do a lot of stuff for Planet Side Two. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, some of that work you did there was awesome. Oh yeah, that's thanks. That was some of our uh, yeah some of our best work. I think. Yeah, it was um, excellent. Actually, uh, the game that I'm probably most proud of the work where I was lead illustrator. It was like a small team of like, there was three of us. There was me, uh, an art director and my creative director, also an illustrator. Uh, you know, maybe a handful of other people, but the core was, was us three. It was the, for the dying light. And this, this came out maybe oh. a couple of years too. We, we did this big, presentation at E3 where we had you know these huge banners in one of the hallways that you'd walk under and and I think we did about seven or eight different scenes on these big wide banners <laughs> um, basically of it going from from day to night and, and how it changes you know the sun's going down and the zombies are coming up and by the, the last panel there's you know there's a hundred zombies and so I was I was the guy that was mostly doing all the painting on the zombies <laughs> but and we we actually won an award for that uh, piece too so the industry uh, the advertising industry has their sort of Oscars you know <laughs> so that was kind of us winning our Oscar. <laughs> It was a very memorable piece. I remember seeing that everywhere, for legitimately. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah, so I, I think this is interesting for someone like me because um, I guess I'm just, like, I'm used to expecting that everything has come from the studio directly, like mm-hmm. with the Tomb Raider stuff. Like, I would just have assumed, oh, that's just concept art that the studio put together. Because, I mean, I know we actually got sent that artwork when right. we were working on a Tomb Raider piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so then it's one of those things where like, I think just the average gamer doesn't realize that because we just all think, oh, this is just, you know, the team putting all this stuff together in the oh. early goings. Oh, s- speaking of that, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I was listening to your one of your recent podcasts and you brought up uh, artwork for the game ReCore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> yes. This is going to be crazy, Molly. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not even exaggerating. It has something to do with the layout. Now, this doesn't negate the 87 other mistakes we caught in the recent uh, GF Destructoid crossover. But when it comes to ReCore, you got to hear this. (laughs) So that piece that is being used is uh, what we call a teaser piece. It's like the game was a brand new game. And so 
people don't know about it yet. So basically to get it into public awareness, you, you tease it out there. You, you basically, you throw out a piece of art that's going to kind of make you turn your head or, or stop and say, Whoa, what's that? You know, right. oh, that, that's interesting. I don't know what that is. So you want it to have, you know, some kind of emotional or connection of some sort. Um, and, and so this was a project that our company, uh, bid on. And, uh, so basically we, we get the concept of the game and we get to see rough concept art and, you know, some of the characters from the game and it was in the early stages of the game. So we basically from, from seeing and, and knowing what the game is, then we kind of have to design what we think would be the best sort of imagery to sell the game. Um, and so there's, you know, a team of us, we all go off and do our own little concepts. And and actually the, the concept that was chosen was, was mine. So basically that piece is, uh, you know, from the rough sketch through final finished work that was primarily, you know, uh, me. You know, I, I had other art directors and, and so forth helping me too, but that was basically me being the lead illustrator. Um, and so it was designed uh, to have the female character's head uh, cropped off from that image. <laughs> right, that makes sense. <laughs> so I think you made the comment of like, oh my God, this is such a terrible layout. They, they, they cut her head off. <laughs> Oh, well, then I guess, I mean, I guess I would say, like, it's, to me, it's, to me, it's weird for them to have used that piece, right. if that's what was intended. Right. So, like, I mean, like, if that was the intention, that makes perfect sense to me now, but it's, it's then weird. I think that that's the only piece of art that's out there currently for that game. But there, there should be screenshots. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, I think maybe. that's the only, uh, yeah, but I think, um, but it's, the well, I think you're both, you're both right. I believe there's might have been some very light footage from E3, but mm-hmm. in terms of like official like pieces or concept style art, I right. think that is still the only piece. Right. Yeah. So then so then it's it's funny to me because I <laughs> wonder if Dave even knows that. That's 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 hilarious like, that he put a piece of your art exactly into the new game fan, probably not even knowing <laughs> proudly displaying art. my piece of art. Yes. <laughs> He's probably kicking himself as we speak um it was it's funny too because in the days of game fan it was like cover by terry wolfinger and i got to sign it and you know inside the magazine it's like oh on the cover terry wolfinger but now it's kind of like being at an agency you know you're, you're you're kind of the silent uh the silent individual working in a big team so a lot of different people touch the same piece of art, so it's kind of hard to claim a piece how, as, how, as your own. <laughs> how hard is it for you? I mean, because I mean, obviously, I don't do what you do, but I know that whenever I'm doing anything creative, and that can even be podcasting or web page design or magazine design or whatever, there is part of me that as soon as it goes out of my hands and somebody else tweaks it or whatever, there's that kind of you know, clenched fist kind of feeling where it's like, oh, this, you know, you're... Don't wreck you're doing, it. Yeah, you don't wreck what I created. And like, oh, you're making decisions I would never make. Like, so... Right. Like, what is the difficulty of being in that kind of position as an artist? Uh, there have been times in the past where 
there have been not strong people on the team where it gets into their hands and it comes back and you're like, ugh. And so then you, instead of doing more work on it, you're ending up fixing all the stuff that they did. So, and it's, that has been a struggle too. But, uh, you know, I work with some really talented people now and we have a pretty good team for the illustration department. Like I mentioned, Clarence Lansang is just like the most talented guy I've ever worked with. He's just amazing. He comes from comics and uh, he was very popular at Top Cow Comics and and uh, he can just do these amazing sketches and these amazing paintings and, you know, he's, he's super talented. So I, I trust if stuff goes to him, like he's, he's, he's only going to make it look better. And, uh, and, you know, he'll, he'll pass stuff to me. And, um, so we, we kind of work on a lot of the same things together, which is, which is, is awesome. So it's pretty much a team of two on most of the things we've done recently this last year. <laughs> and some art directors, you know, will will touch it too and do their little touches. Um, but, uh, yeah. I'm assuming it's a pretty uh, close-knit group, a lot of camaraderie and things of that nature uh, at the yeah. office you work at. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to work with talented people that know what they're doing and know their stuff, you know. So I've, I've definitely learned a lot. Uh, you know, and, and at, when I was a game fan, you know, I was, I was a self-taught painter, and I was kind of learning as I go. And you know, I look at some of those covers, and I... I just kind of grown now. It's like, oh, I know what I was trying to do, <laughs> but uh, you know, my my concept for covers back at GameFan was always like, you know, we were still mostly ninety percent in the two D side scroller action platformer, and sometimes top down stuff, but mostly it was a two dimensional world, and so I always came at the angle of like, okay let's make this look like they existed in the real world. Like let's, let's mm. turn the angle a little bit. Let's, you know, give dimension to these characters and, um, you know, and so the gaming industry finally kind of caught up with that. You know, I, I can remember some of the driving games or some of the other games. You'd be like, Oh, don't you wish you could just stop at that building and then, <laughs> get out of the car and go inside. Oh, that'd be so cool if you could do that. And then, you know, Grand Theft Auto, the Grand Theft Auto 3, I think it was, the 3D one. It's like, oh my God, you can do it. <laughs> you can finally do it. Now, this has nothing to do with your art, what I'm about to say, so this is unrelated, but uh, this is more for Molly. Uh, can, can we please go back to those days of gaming? <laughs> 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 right? Can we please go back? And uh, we'll give fans uh, on a little aside before we continue here with Terry and what he's been up to and various cons and shows. And uh, I need to throw this in there for listeners. I did play a bit of Transformer Netta today. Hmm. Now, have, now, have you played that, Molly? I have not touched it yet, no. Because um, they were being very shy about sending out review copies. Really? So, yes. Now, would that be Activision, I'm assuming, the publisher? Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh. I don't know if it's because of what happened with Tony Hawk. No, well, because well, that was uh, garbage. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, this certainly... No, I wouldn't say... I mean, I haven't gotten that deep into it. I just finally got around to it today, but... Uh, I'll tell you this. It's Transformers with... Uh, I know this is crazy with the Platinum game. You can be like, well, God, I would have never guessed this. But when I tell you it's strikingly similar to Bayonetta in many ways mechanically, it's... I mean, for example, like when taking attacks, you hit R1 at the right moment before getting hit. It slows down the time. Uh, you know, the combination system is somewhat similar. It doesn't seem to be as deep. Um, also, when getting through certain walls and areas like DMC and Bayonetta, you know, you hit, you attack the the wall, the statue piece or whatever you want to call it, and it lights up until it blows over. Hmm. Um, but the actual look of the game... I would say so far for Transformers fans, particularly of Generation 1, with what also seems to be a lot of the original voice acting cast back. Like, uh, when I played this, I kept thinking I could have never imagined experiencing something like this, having been such a big fan of the Transformers cartoon growing up. I would have never imagined playing something that looks so strikingly similar to the cartoon I watched. You know what I mean? To come through with that kind yeah. of quality or title. That's probably the craziest aspect. But uh, I figured I'd throw that in there before we move on. Have you been playing much lately? Who? Uh, Molly. And then yeah. I, I have a question for you as well, gaming-wise. But uh, what what have you been uh, tinkering with lately? Um, I've been playing the Star Wars Battlefront demo beta strangely and um i got the new corpse it's it's it's, i don't like star wars games uh i'm really weird because i mean i like the story i always tell is that i as a child i saw star wars in the theater like 28 times like i was obsessed with it and i i love that those movies but i've never liked anything beyond the movies really i've never because doesn't live up to your expectations of what it should be or i think it's because it's just like it's it's strangely it's a universe i don't need to have beyond those basic things i mean like Mm. i know i do have the really early like marvel star wars comics but oh yeah i never really cared about the games and i I never really cared about other stuff and but this one is it's hard not to kind of get into it because it's just it's so crazy like when you're on the hoth battle and there's all these empires you know snow troopers running around and these rebels and there's just like lasers firing everywhere and they all sound like the real lasers and there's snow speeders and tie fighters and you know atats walking around and it's just like crazy and it's it's so it's um find that point where it's just it's so much like kind of the movies that it's hard not to be drawn in to a certain level mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah and then that and i mean street fighter 5 has been my obsession lately nice so, funny that that you're connected to it but that's been my kind of yeah it's 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 funny like i've done so much box art and illustrations for stuff that you probably don't even know because <laughs> I'm, I'm not able to sign my name and the style I do now, you know, I have to kind of blend seamlessly to what's popular or, you know, what the client's wanting. 
So, I mean, do you do you do much gaming at this point? Uh, not a lot. I'm, I'm actually finding I'm playing more on my iPad than anything at the moment. Oh, you're one of those people? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Uh, you were helping destroy gaming. Thank you very much, Terry. Oh, Thanks. but I'm not. I'm helping promote... I can, I can tell you one game he I can tell you one game Terry's not playing on his iPad. Oh. Oh. This is this is a segue for this is going to get uh, Molly going. I can oh. guarantee you I can tell you a game he's not playing. What what game is that? Ghost Trick. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is this, I, is this Terry is this Terry related or do we just switch podcasts here? No, we're just, we're just we're just going we're just having fun tonight. He's I sitting. Think, we're going to think Anthony's busting some balls. <laughs> No, what do you know? Why he might not be playing Ghost Trick? I don't know. I don't even know why. <laughs> well, no, I know because I posted it on Twitter. <laughs> you probably heard about it from me. I, I did, I and as soon as you posted yes. it, I couldn't believe it because I had taken Ghost What's, Trick off it, my phone previously on my old iPhone for space reasons, and now that I have the larger iPhone, I had re-downloaded the bulk of my stuff, but hadn't gotten around to re-downloading Ghost Trick. Well, it's funny, though, because I am playing Ghost Trick on my phone. No, you're not. Yes. Are you... Get out of here. <laughs> no. Get out of here. <laughs> That's the irony. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I... I have not bought my PlayStation 4 yet, but I'm probably going to get one at Christmas time. You know, if and, you get it, uh, not to sell you on one, but if you get it right... Right now? Right now, like right now, like during this podcast, if you go to Target, I'm getting in my car com, now. <laughs> no, if you go to Target.com, um, they they dropped the price with, for the <clears throat> price drop, but they still are including the gift card. <clears throat> so it, you get it for three fifty, and then the fifty dollar gift card, and you get all the Uncharted games with it. Oh wow, that's awesome! So if you, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, Black Friday is what I would wait for. Maybe if you're going to wait, but. Okay. Who the well, hell wants to do that? Oof. Well, I, I did. I did let my wife know that uh, I I want that for Christmas. So maybe she's already bought it. I don't know. Oh, give, me, give, give me give me wife's number. I will call her and I will tell her about the Target bundle. <laughs> okay. I will. After this podcast, I will. Yeah, it's it's but, it's as of as of right now, it is still up. You can get it. And Anthony probably knows. with a gift card. Oh, that's pretty good. Well, what about uh, Anthony? Anthony probably knows. I'll see if Molly can guess what game will be my first purchase. I was. Don't. I w- All right. All right. <laughs> am I? I mean, am I just guessing like just off the top of my head, or do I get a? Well, yeah. I mean, that's probably not fair. But I mean, because if if I were to guess there's any one game, one game that I and- will be buying. And I was going to ask Molly about it next. Legitimately, I'm just I'm not just saying that to see if she's okay, played it. Because so, I have not. knowing what you know about me, <laughs> the order I would go in in what I think it is. I can give you a hint okay. if you want. Wait, wait, wait! No, no. Um, okay. I've, I've got. Not, I've got hey, shush, hang on. Not hang on. the Gianna hey. Oh my God! Shut up! <laughs> hang on a second. Molly wants to do this on her own. <laughs> I've got th- I've got three choices. My, okay. The problem is I don't know which order to put them in. So I would say my three picks would be um, let's, let's the, the Last process. of Us. Oh, the Last that, of Us. Uh, okay, that is on the list. Okay, that's Mortal, not the first game I'm going to buy. Okay, uh, Mortal Kombat X. Mm, not or or Until Dawn. Hmm. 
Those would be my three choices. Well, you're closest with uh, the first one. The Last of Us. I, w- I mm. probably will be getting that one, too. But there is one that you, you did not mention. Might not be on your radar, though. Which game is that? It's based on a movie, and I am also a big car buff, so... Fast and the Furious? <laughs> no. Oh, Mad... Oh, I don't know if you want Mad yeah. Max, oh. though. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want that. Oh, have you played it? the floodgates. No. It's, it's okay. It's not oh. great. No. Now, mind you, Molly's a very tough critic. I know. Just like me in movies. <laughs> But see, okay, so do you do you even know what Until Dawn is, Terry? You know, I want to say I heard it, but if you asked me to break it down, I wouldn't be able to. So it's basically, it's a, like, a, a, a B-level teen slasher horror oh. movie. No, I don't know this. Stuff. And you play through it, and you have to kind of make the decisions that the, the teens, and late teens, like college age. Um, sure, sure. Uh, the decisions they would be making. So, like, do you stay and make out, or do you like go through the noises and stuff like that? And right, right. so, I mean, I think with your kind of like connection to like horror movies and, and movies in general, uh-huh. like, I think you would get a kick out of this because. And it, this is something that's out right now. Yep, it came out recently. Um, it oh. really feels like you are playing a movie, but kind of getting some control over what happens. Well, that sounds pretty awesome. Because actually. there's there's eight kind of like co-eds and by the end of the game you can have gotten them all killed or you can have <laughs> kept them all alive or or have the one survivor yep or have the one survivor or things like that or all of them oh that's interesting are you are you talking about until dawn or night trap until dawn <laughs> okay. yes in, in, instead of instead of data Plato, we get hayden panettieri so oh night trap i remember that Piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Kickstarter attempt recently to oh. like remaster it or something. Or... Oh man! Do you remember like how big that was because it had like girls in nineties getting killed yeah, and like that? Was, I like... rented that, and you know what? I rented that. I swear here, and I had no knowledge of that aspect. I learned that afterwards on the news, but because when I rented it, I rented it because it was a Sega CD game, and there was like no, right. nothing else to rent. There's like three games, and that that game was so impossible that I don't think I got any more than like five or ten minutes worth of actual, you know, into progressively into that game yeah. because of the timing and the cameras. But yeah, what a <laughs> what a doozy. A doozy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to lead that back around to Mad Max. And uh, so a PS4 may be on the horizon. For well, I, I played I played a, a decent demo at the last E3 for Mad Max. And I was pretty impressed with the, the gameplay and the physics. And Yeah, I, mean, I think it's... I think for the driving, I was like, wow. Yeah, this I think the problem it. ends up being just like it's one of those open world games where just kind of one um, note. It's great in premise, but the longer you kind of spend with it, just the more worn out the idea becomes. Right, it's just kind of one note. Oh, yeah, driving through the desert again. But I w- I'm still going to buy it because <laughs> I love it. Before we transition off the the gaming topic here and get to cons. 
Um, Cons like. uh, (laughs) I was gonna make a really bad joke, but I'm gonna stop myself. Yeah, I'm gonna stop myself. Um, Molly, have you played any of MGS Five yet? Nope, haven't touched it. Okay. Well, this is bad, but the reason I, I mentioned it is because we were talking about Mad Max and then the keyword repetitiveness, which made me think of Metal Gear Solid Five. And I hope fans don't beat me up for that. But I'm not saying I dislike the title. I, I just wanted to get into that a little bit. But if you haven't played it yet, that's fine. And then uh, I think both of you, one thing that you two have in common from this past summer is um, you didn't get to attend a certain show, one in particular that is Molly's favorite. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, but the the San Diego Comic Con. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't go this year. Oh. <laughs> and that was a little sarcasm for me because I know Molly uh... hates it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Well, well, why do you, why do you on. well why do you hate the SDCC? It's just it's just it's the worst. It really is the worst. Like too, I don't know. Too, too much people. Too, too much many Hollywood. people. Like like. I hate that convention center. I think it's just the big terrible for that kind of, that big of a show. And mm. that, that poor little area of San Diego just gets so crowded so easily. Yeah. Um, and I went... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, wait. No, no, I was going to say real quick that I, I think it's just one of those shows that like... It's... There's, to me, there's not a lot to do there because it's, it's mostly about buying stuff or trying to desperately see a certain star that might be making an appearance, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and beyond that, there's not a lot. And as somebody who's typically there for, like, gaming reasons, that doing the, my job of gaming stuff is so hard to get done at right. the event. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to wait in line for eight hours to get into a panel to see your yes. favorite stars of whatever TV show or movie. Well, and they leave, let people just sit there through other panels, which... Then crowds, like if you have a really, really oh, popular really? panel. Yes. Oh, wow. So, I mean, at least like last time I was there, they would let you go in and sit there all day if you wanted to. So people would <sighs> go into the less popular panels before the big ones. Uh-huh. And then you have all these people in the in the crowd who didn't care about that panel. Right. They were just waiting for the wow. next one. People mm. with very strong bladders. Yes. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, though. SDCC aside, you have been very active uh, in promoting, uh, showing off new paintings, interacting with fans at various shows. Uh, where have you been recently? I know you've not only done Monster Palooza, which you can get into a bit, but there was another smaller uh, but fun show you did just outside the LA area not long ago. Uh, yeah, there was a newer one. Uh, it was called Scare LA, <clears throat> uh, which uh, was in Pasadena. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was it was more for people that enjoy kind of the haunted house stuff. So there wasn't as much of the draw for the fine art stuff, but um, you know, I, I still did pretty good there. Sold a decent amount of stuff, but uh, yeah, the, the shows that I've really been uh, um, Popular have been the Monster Paloozas. Uh, those have been my. They have they have them twice a year. It's Monster Palooza, and then Son of Monster Palooza, kind of like the old monster movies where you know it was like Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, you know, <laughs> Dracula, Son of. You know. 
so that's kind of and how those those, those get a pretty good turnout yeah yeah this, the monster blues is a really kind of high-end industry people attend and also show their work and it's industry people that do like makeup for the movies and uh prosthetic stuff sculpting painting concept artists and, and just yeah and then uh celebrity guest appearances and stuff you know you can meet the guy who played the third jason Voorhees from the you know or whatever so um why why monsters um well let's see i i i liked him as a kid you know i dracula was my favorite character as a kid and and i remember taking a uh a puppet making class in summer school, like in maybe fourth, fifth grade, something like that. And all the different puppets I made, you know, sock puppets, marionettes, you know, I always made little Draculas of vampires. <laughs> My teacher finally said, you know, your, your little Draculas are very nice, but can you try doing something else? <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> step off. And I stabbed her. <laughs> <laughs> with a popsicle dark, stick shaped very like a crucifix <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I did I did love the monsters and stuff and uh, you know and then, you know, I, 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 I also loved comic books and, and when video games got popular I, I, I loved those too and uh, there was a time maybe uh, five six years ago uh a store, there's this store in Burbank called Halloween Town. It's basically open all year round, and it's it's a real high-end kind of Halloween store. Um, and they also have an art gallery in the back, and it's kind of I've set seen, up. I've seen that store, but I've never actually gone into it because I thought it was oh, just it's like great. a pop-up kind of thing. So No, 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 yeah, it's, it's open all year round. and Yeah, that's why I always have to give that, you know, preface of well it's a high-end one it's not just the rubber mask and stuff hmm. they do sell costumes and props and things but they also sell high-end uh effects makeup and things like that and and just novelties and shirts and clothing and and art stuff too like art books and um and they do these they do these little art shows and i finally just kind of got up the courage to uh um uh, show some work to the owner and uh, and I said you know hey I I, I paint and I would love to be part of uh, you know if you have any art shows coming up I'd love to be be part of it and I, I had done some I had done a couple of shows I think and I, I was starting to do group shows with some of my paintings and I'd, I'd done a few in San Francisco um you know, and so I, I had a picture, a, a portrait of Edgar Allan Poe and Alfred Hitchcock. And I think I did a Vincent Price. And, and so I had some kind of more horror-related stuff. And, and uh, you know, the owner was like, wow, yeah, your work is great. We'd love to have you part of our show. And can you make some prints of these? We'd love to sell these in our store. And we're like, oh, yeah. And so she wanted the, the Poe and the Hitchcock and... And uh, and that was kind of the start. It, it was a tribute to the Haunted Mansion show was the first show. Hmm. And I, I did one piece. 
and uh, and it was well received. And I still sell prints of that. It's, it was uh, the grave digger scene. It's like the uh, if you go on the haunted mansion ride at Disneyland, there's the uh, the care kind of the caretaker of the graveyard. And he's with that dog, and the dog's kind of shivering. Guys holding a lantern. <laughs> if you're familiar with that ride. Yep. Oh, I've, I've never been there, so I. Oh well, then you're missing out. <laughs> Ever been to Disneyland? Oh, my God. I've never been to Disneyland, Disney World. Ah, sad life you've led. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I think everyone I know pretty much has been there, but uh, damn. Yeah, well, never. Uh, you gotta go. Gotta yeah. come down and do that. But anyway, so then the uh, the next show they had was like a classic monsters thing, and uh, I was like, oh, cool. So I did a couple pieces for that, and I was also working on doing a Halloween theme, sh- my own show. I had a little, was doing my own show in a this nice little coffee shop in Pasadena, and, and so I was doing a couple pieces for that, and I was going to do a couple pieces for the Burbank show in Halloween Town. And then she saw what I was doing for my show, and she's like, oh, we want these in our show, too. Because originally she said, you know, I, I don't want any pieces that have been shown anywhere else. I'm like, oh, shoot, I was going to hopefully kill two birds with one stone. But then she saw them, and she's like, well, I know I don't say this, but but I want your pieces in here, too. If, I forgot about that. If you don't mind me being nosy, do do you still do stuff at that shop or the coffee shop? I forgot about those gigs. Uh I haven't. I, I maybe done two or three shows there, and they they have my mm. my paintings up for a couple months, two three months at a time. But I haven't done one in a while. I've just been so busy with other stuff. Right. Um. But yeah, it'd be fun to to put one up again. Mm. But I, See, and I wanna, a, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, no, no, you go. go. No, I was going to say, it's so funny because it's like, this is a conversation where everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know where that's at, know where that's at, and I'm, Anthony has to be <laughs> sitting here, like, just not knowing any of this stuff. He's like, what? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but it, it's funny, during that show, I guess uh, Rick, Rick Baker was doing the same show, that classic monster show. Uh, Rick Baker, for those that don't know, was, he's like the legendary special effects makeup artist that's done everything like he's 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 did the werewolves for my favorite film american world in london I mean, he's done he did creatures for the original star wars the cantina scene and the men in black movies and the michael jackson thriller video like he's done so much stuff and he paints too and is uh so i got to meet him and, and that was amazing and so, I mean, um, yeah, that, that, it's funny because, like, so you've met Rick Baker, you've met Stan Winston, like, you've met, like, these, mm-hmm. like, legends <laughs> in this industry. Yeah, it's funny. Like, just kind of happened to fall into this niche. I mean, it's it's something I love doing, too, so it's not like I'm just doing it for a buck, you know. It's like I'm doing it because I love it as well. But uh, it's funny because that show, the famous Monsters people, the famous monsters magazine uh were going to that show to because they knew rick baker was going to have some paintings in it and uh then i guess they saw my work and i told the owner like we want to meet this guy <laughs> <laughs> and so i you know i was 
during the reception, you know, they kind of approached me like, hey, Sherry uh, Wolfinger, yeah. Well, we're with Famous Monsters and we want to talk about doing covers with you. I'm like, oh, yeah, yes, of course, yes, please, of course. <laughs> so, and I think I've done maybe about a, maybe a dozen covers for them so far since then. So I do maybe two, well, maybe three or four a year, sometimes more, like, like Anthony said, I just did the uh, the uh, Resident Evil with uh, Ash on the cover. Um, or a- Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell who plays Ash. I think, right, right, right. Portrait of him. He's, I kind of have him in a Game of Thrones esque throne, except it's made out of like bones from the Deadites. Mm. Um, and and he of- has. Uh, Elvis's glasses, right? Briscoe County Junior's hat. Yeah, yeah. We put different props from all the stuff he's been in. The Elvis from Bubba Hotep, and uh, yeah, Briscoe County. Wow, I totally forgot about Briscoe County. Yeah. Wow. So this this was this kind of I kind of did the cover a ways before the uh, the uh, release of the show, so. Actually, I actually did this quite a while ago, even though they're just releasing it now. Um, so we wanted to have different elements from kind of highlighting his career because they were going to be talking about his career as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that was kind of my concept too. Like, you know, his his whole catchphrase, like, uh, you know, hail to the king, you know, it's a uh, ash. <clears throat> now, the... Um the next, the next monster <coughs> loser. Correct Excuse me if I'm wrong. Is coming up what March 2016? I believe it's March. Yeah. Yeah. Might be April. Do, do you have anything bet- uh, from now and then between that? Like new pieces? Uh, in terms of shows you may be attending, or is it just kind of? Uh, none uh, that I have scheduled. Hmm. Like this was the first year I did three shows, and and the conventions are a lot of fun to do, but. They take a lot of time getting ready for it, and you know. Then I basically I work a full week at work, and then I work the whole convention, and so it uh, it takes a lot out of you. So I I can only do a handful of those a year, right? Um, unless you know, well, <laughs> I was gonna say unless I don't have a full time job, but <laughs> well, which I kind of need at the moment, so. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and I know I've asked this in the past, but um, uh, obviously I know you're keeping busy with your regular job, Famous mm-hmm. Monsters, the shows. Uh, do you see in your future, if time allows, returning maybe to the comic book world? Or, uh, because we, you never know who's listening, what would you say are the top three uh, comics from what you see on the market today that you'd like to either do a cover for or be involved in maybe for a one-off single issue. Mm. Um, See, I was, was going to ask him like what comic he would take over as artist if he had that chance. That's what I was going to ask. So, yeah, same kind I of thing. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, now, now, I know you've said in the past I'm going to kind of take one away. I know you're a huge fan of Spider-Man. Well, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a given. Yeah, I, was a, I would jump at a chance to do Spider-Man, um, like a cover. I don't. I don't know if I'd be able to do 
the interiors. I, I, I guess I probably could. It just would take me longer. <laughs> um, Spider-Man? Uh, Jim? Uh, Iron Man? Uh, oh, yeah? Fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think doing something like that. Or uh, The Walking Dead comic is still happening too, right? It's not just the TV show. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean that would be fun too to do. That'd be right up your alley, especially well, yeah, with what you've been kind of, doing present day. Right, that's kind of an easy one too, I guess. <laughs> um, that would be fun. Um, I don't know. I, I like the little one-off stuff too, the independent stuff too. Like sometimes do more interesting things. Mm. A Batman Joker story would be fun too. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Dig something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Batmobile in there. <laughs> you could do maybe do a Batman Mad Max cross- crossover and give uh, the, the Batmobile <laughs> be there. There you Mad go. Max vehicle. Now you're talking. Now hey, hey, they did Predator Archie. Oh, that's right. Anything's possible. That idea is not that far fetched. See, now someone's going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to do a Mad Max Batman crossover and they're going to get to it first. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Anthony. Thanks for ruining it. Yeah, yeah. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I better start drawing it. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it can't be any more ridiculous than Predator sitting down at the table with Archie and his friends uh, drinking down a Sunday. Is that what happened? Yeah, some ridiculousness. Yeah. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, I saw the cub, right? Archie wasn't the prey. <laughs> That's how I saw it working. <laughs> oh. The predators and wherever Archie lives. Yeah. With a little time to kill. <laughs> Jughead. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's so much uh, there's so much out there. I go to the comic shops every now and then. Yeah, I, I haven't been in a while. I used to go every now and then pick the, up you know, the you new know stuff. The, you know what the biggest problem is, and it's been like this for a while now. You know, you've mm. got X Men, you've got Spider Man, you have Superman, Batman, but then they have so many spinoffs and mm. reboots, and the new Fifty Two, and then resetting right. the button again. And the avenging Spider-Man, the yeah. amazing Spider-Man, him on the don't like that. Fantastic <laughs> Four or whatever, or right? A crossover. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't like when they suddenly decide to change a character. Like, let's make. What about female? Like female Thor? Exactly. Let's make. It's like, wait, what? No, I think it looks cool. I mean, yes, yeah, but there, there's, there was an interesting point uh, someone brought up on my feed, and, and why are we changing timelines? And <laughs> is okay. So there's the concept of changing some of the popular superheroes to uh, female characters, right? Heroines, right? Okay, fine. But at the same time, some uh, I've seen women speculate. Well, why not just create new female superheroes? You know what I mean? Exactly. Stuff like that. So I don't know. But I also think from the business standpoint, you have the name value. You have the strength of, you know, the name, the brand that's already been established. But That's the ugly side of marketing. (laughs) The suits get involved. You know, (laughs) let's make Spider-Man a woman. 
Nothing wrong with that. It's just, <laughs> hey. Well, I'm wait. Curious. Don't they have? Don't they have spider? Now, ger- now you say that, but I am so interested in that. Was it Spider Gwen? <laughs> series is out there now. I just don't understand that. I mean, Gwen Stacy dies in the comics. You know, it's like. But I mean, like when you when you're on like X Men number eight hundred and forty two, like at some point you have to just decide well, that people have to come back and things have to I be guess. And, and I guess. No, I, I I mean I get oh let's try to keep th- stuff fresh and. Well, let me let's backpedal a bit. Maybe the issue is that you know what, like the female Thor or doing something like that once in a blue moon, it's not a bad idea. Right, but the problem is, is when there's already so many spinoffs and side stories, and and then they throw that into the mix. It, you know, the other thing too is the smartest thing to do for people that like to read them and not just collect. You're almost better off waiting for the collected editions these days because doing those single issues, right. measly sixteen to twenty four pages a month at like four bucks a pop. You I mean, know? I, I was a big Fantastic Four fan as a kid too. And I mean, the characters were always the same four characters, and, <laughs> and they didn't seem to have any trouble finding new villains to fight or new worlds to save. And I don't know for them to be just bored and like, you know what? Let's make the thing, <laughs> you know, whatever. Not not that they've done that, but it's yeah, it's just. Uh... Yeah, it's all it's all about the dollar bill, I guess. At the end of the day, you know? right? Let's I w- yeah. make the Fantastic Four. They're all mongooses <laughs> or mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I, I think it has to be hard because I mean, like, if you look at like a TV show, right? Like, right. you watch when they get to like the fourth season, the fifth season. No, I know. There's like, okay, what do we do? And like, you know, there's the. With the whole like little kid rule that was going on for a while, where like every series got a little kid all of a sudden. <laughs> right, that's when you know the season is the series right. is about to end. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like you know, Married Children had seven appear from out of nowhere and stuff, and just <laughs> pretty so, I mean, funny. I think it's. I, I mean, I, I like I would. And that hate, kid was awful too. Yeah, he was really bad. It, but like, I would hate it, to be in the comics industry because like I wouldn't know. Yeah, like when you're that far into a Spider Man or a right. Iron Man, Superman, whatever. Like, what do you do with those characters that is different than what's come before and that will keep right. people kind of interested in reading? But there have been those that have breathed new life, like, you know, like Todd McFarlane, where they kick started Spider Man again. It was a while ago, a long time ago. Yeah, I don't, I see, even, I don't even know if he's doing a whole heck of a lot in terms of. I'm not sure. First hand, like, you know, actual inking or, act, you know what I mean? I get so confused. I've seen some new projects. I don't know if it was from him and Joe Mad has tried 87,000 different things. and Right. And that's the other challenging thing. And not just picking on Joe Mad, but like other big time artists will, they'll be put on a new series. And then after a few issues, they either leave or it ends. And it's like, Jesus mm. Christ. Okay. Right. Okay. Most important question here of this in, of this interview that's ron comic books and terry you're an artist um <laughs> rob leefield oh what do you think of his art oh gosh how hard are feet to draw <laughs> and how many pouches have you ever given your characters <laughs> wow well <laughs> i don't want to f 
offend anybody. <laughs> I can't say I was ever a fan of Rob Liefeld's art. I mean, he definitely pushed the boundaries of physics. <laughs> and, and not having feet? The, the yeah. boundaries of characters well, not having Anatomy, I guess point? I should say. I mean, <laughs> you could tell that he... I don't know, maybe didn't have a lot of uh, uh, background in <laughs> life drawing <laughs> or, or just basic anatomy. <laughs> like uh, the arms are... Well, give give listeners a little different a shapes that I've never seen before. <laughs> give listeners a little bit of background in uh, IE uh, myself over here. I'm looking him up right now. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, like I'm. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm shocked you don't know Anthony, but I like for anybody who doesn't know, just just Google 40 words to Rob Leefield. It's L I E F D L D. Yeah, I've seen some of his. Okay, and just it's a, it's a long article, but you will love every minute of it. Someone did a drawing of like a Rob Liefeld character, like sh- showing the character with the armor and all the stuff on, and then showing what that character yes. would look like naked. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who the artist was, but it was really funny. <laughs> it's like, okay, so if this is what he looks like, you know, just. And I also want to point out that I could not ridiculous. remember. His, before I asked Terry that, I could not remember his name, so I literally Googled. Artist who can't draw feet, and that got me straight to Rob, Rob Liefeld, So, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. One image stands out where the guy is holding this ridiculously large gun, like the, yes. the gun he's holding in his hand by a pistol grip, and it's like he's got a city bus <laughs> connected to the pistol grip. <laughs> I'm going to guess what that big. thing is. Is it like cable or something like that? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. no tension in the wrist. He's not like straining at the weight. It's just like, yep. <laughs> Oh wait! I think <laughs> this might be right up my alley. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure that's not what he was after. He was after just having fun and pushing the. Boundary. But and you know what? That 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 man made a lot of money doing what oh, he did. Oh God! So you can't hate too much. No, yeah, he's yeah, he he did something right. Well, some of this is bringing back memories from from stuff I've saw, you know, remember vaguely seeing on comic shelves, and it screams '90s. Mm. You know what I mean? But it just goes to show that, hey, if you want to do something with art and you believe in yourself, you know, go after it and just do it. You know, like he he did his own thing, and so you got to hand it to him. Like he. Uh, and made a huge name for himself, so you, know, you have to give him that. Is he still <laughs> active in the industry today? Uh, I'm not following as much. I, I think he still has his own company. You know, mm. I, I'm sure he's still involved in comics. I would imagine so. But uh, it's you know, yeah. So it's it's all about practicing your craft. You know, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Wow. Right, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. I'm still practicing uh, in the game of life every day. (laughs) Rolling those dice. Hopefully one of these days uh, I get to uh, progress forward instead of taking two steps backwards. Oh, come on. You're you're doing doing fine. Um, um, I'm the gaming king. You are. I'm I'm the king of the medium. Yeah. 
The, <laughs> the number one podcast in the world. Right? And it's still not enough. We, Molly and I, you know, kickstarted the whole genre. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Did you, did you just say that we started podcasts? Because- <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's, it's about perception and perception is reality. And if you say it enough times, right. it becomes reality. That is guy who's founded Game Fans <laughs> mentality. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> if you believe it. As a matter of fact, as, as we're wrapping up here in the coming uh, minutes, yeah, I mean, I've got to catch my flight on my private jet uh, back out of town. Back to the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> have, you right. career, have you ever seen career opportunities? Because this is what Anthony is right now. Yeah, I, I think so. That's the one. Um. But yeah, I was, uh, I wanted to touch on, you know, in between Stan Winston, like I said, like the work was kind of driving up, you know, before I went and joined up the advertising world. Like, uh, remember Anthony? Well, oh, of course. Yeah. This is, (laughs) this is, this is the mental nourishing part of the podcast. This is the, After school special we'll get into here, uh, with with all seriousness. <laughs> there yeah, you go. so uh, a matter of you know, the tale of the literal immediate success after school, uh, doing a call back to hard and heavy, being able to carve your own path in life, get your own house, all the right. game fan endeavor, the ups, and then the lows, and then I'll, I'll give you the podium here. Upon hitting those lows, okay, learning, growing, and and taking it to the next level, and go. So yeah, you mentioned hard and heavy. That was the the big animation job I got right out of college, and was kind of was a really big job for someone right out of college. Like I was the directing animator for this video series, and I I beat out a company. I beat out a, basically an animation studio for this project. Like I was like one guy and I beat out a whole studio to get this gig. And so I was kind of getting studio rates, but as a single person. <laughs> so, yeah. So I had this really high point, like right out of the gate in my career. And, uh, as quickly as it started, it, 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 it ended. And, uh, you know, I, I did it for about three, three, four years and the company got into some trouble, financial trouble, and and it ended up just kind of going away and going away, owing me a lot of money. Um, and then, you know, I I tried to get other animation work, and but all the stuff in my portfolio was this crazy blood and guts, head banging, heavy metal stuff. That <laughs> like, yeah, that's not really what we do. I'm like, I know, but I can do. Homer Simpson, I can do, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. so I, I struggled for a bit, and uh, I, I didn't mention this on the previous episode, but the job I ended up getting right after that was, uh, <laughs> um, it was illustrating designs on boxer shorts <laughs> for, <laughs> for novelty seasonal 
socks and holiday shorts. So, yeah, so it was like I was trying Santa Clauses on boxer shorts for <laughs> a couple of years. Well, about a year, I should say. <laughs> and Halloween socks. and uh, So a super high point in my career to, you know, I can't say a, a low point, but definitely... <laughs> Uh, you know, I was not getting paid what I was getting paid, and um, the people I worked with were were the nicest people. You know, uh, they were great people to work for. But you know, they said, "Hey, this is you know, this is what we can pay you." And uh, sorry, I know you should be getting more, but but you know, and they they let me take time off to do other projects that would come up. You know, I was doing the. I got some work doing effects animation for movies, like movie trailers and, and movie titles and stuff. And uh, but anyway, so I had the low point, and then. So was it uh, was it taking a toll on you uh, mentally? Now the the positive thing is the people you work with. That's very, and I mean this not sarcastically. Yeah. You know the people you work with that can be at least a motivator and make you feel good. You know. Yeah, so, sometimes no. it's the opposite. You go to work. And you hate everybody. Um, you you kind of yeah, and you just don't like it. So that's that's kind of a good, a positive. But yeah. At the same time, in the grand scheme of the, things, in terms of personal fulfillment, you know, life uh, goals, expectations, was right, that a little bit tough on you mentally. Yeah, it was humbling. Yeah, it was. You know, I wanted to be doing more. You know, uh, but you know, it just wasn't the right time. I guess. Now, how long between that stage in your life and then, I don't want to spoil it, but taking the trip or the next big step in your career, did you literally just wake up and you were like, you know what, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I'm biting the bullet, and I'm pushing forward, I got to get out of this funk? Um, I will get to that. I just want to jump forward to, you know, after the the holiday shorts. I did eventually ended up at Game Fan, which was a startup magazine, as you know, and they offered me the art director position. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. So was the ho- the holiday shorts was before Game Fan? Yeah, it was before, right before Game Fan. Oh, okay. oh wow. So that's okay. All right. Because I remember, I remember talking to the people there, like you know, I was interviewing there, and I had to submit some art, and you know, talking to Alverson and all those guys. And, and uh and they're like oh they they want to hire me as an art director and, and the people i worked for were like wow that's great i'm like i'm like i've never been an art director i don't know how to do that and like like just do it do it you'll figure it out do it I'm like oh, okay <laughs> it's like, so and, and game fan was made comprised of a bunch of people that you know writers that had never been writers and <laughs> layout guys that had never been layout guys and <laughs> You could so. never tell that by looking at the magazine. I don't know why you would even say that. <laughs> but I have to know, like, like did, did you bring Howard really like a pair of like just boxer shorts and be like, I did this? <laughs> no, I, I had a few samples from my hard and heavy stuff, and uh, yeah, I, I just I, I had a few things for my sketchbook, like where I drew some anime and some robots, and and. Uh, it wasn't a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I didn't bring many of the boxer shirts. Well, I was going to say it all makes sense. There's that shot of DH on the internet when you Google search, and he's got those crazy socks on with that early '90s attire. <laughs> Did you bring that to him? Dressed like a leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, 
he did that all on his own. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I eventually did bring some around. I think, like, yeah, this is what I was doing, and you know, yeah. Every time Halloween came up, you know, that's that was what I really loved doing at the the, the novelty socks and underwear place. <laughs> They, they kind of called me Mr. Halloween because I love doing the skulls and the <laughs> vampires and the Frankenstein. So, see, I was always kind of heading in this direction towards the monsters. Hmm. <laughs> Molly isn't buying it. <laughs> no, I just like it's, it's, it's a really, I mean, I was thinking because, like, you never think about boxer shorts, right? Like, you never think about, like, right. socks. It's, like, it's the stuff you see at where Target, you know? come from? You never, ever think right. about that. And I never would have thought that somebody like, was getting paid to sit around and do the artwork for, like, right. socks. I completely agree. I doing completely the, agree. Yeah, it's funny. I was one of those guys. And and doing the socks was interesting, too, because you draw the design, then it would get sent overseas, I think, China, and then they'd send something back, and because it, it's knitted, so you're not you're never sure how it's going to turn out. And uh, you know, sometimes they come back like, oh, that's not quite right. I gotta, you know, take this now and then draw a design based on what they sent, and then a correction on that. Wow. You know, because it, it's it's almost pixely, you know. With, I was going to say, yeah. for a gaming analogy, it's almost like taking an artist's work and then converting that onto like a CRT television. Yeah, exactly. Like really big, chunky pixels, you know, right. like the pixels of today. But And so I remember this one time I had drawn Santa in a sleigh, and there was like the sleigh and I think one or two reindeer, maybe just one reindeer. And it didn't come out quite right, like, the the the, ant, the antlers on the reindeer weren't right, and, and and Santa wasn't. So we we sent them feedback. We're like, make make the horns bigger, and then make Santa, you know make the sled red or something. And so then they sent us back, and they you know the translation was off, and so Santa came back with horns. <laughs> <laughs> And he was the one that was all red now. So it was pretty awesome. I was like, oh, you got to keep that. <laughs> so they basically made Santa a demon. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> the, the reindeers have the horns, not Santa. <laughs> so this big horn come out of his forehead. <laughs> um, but so we jump start, and then we jump ahead to Game Fan and... You know, it was a startup company, and uh, you know, it was I was making a little bit more money than I was at the socks place, but uh, you know, the company, the magazine grew, and I was growing and getting paid better and better. But then, you know, that kind of tapered off, and like I said, ended up leaving, going to Sam Winston for a little bit, and then I kind of left there. Came back to Game Fan, and that's when Game Fan went to shit and fell apart, and uh, you know. And I, I went. I think I did some other. I got into video game development for a little while, different companies, and then uh, went back to Stan Winston at one point, and then my stint ended there again. And then I went freelance, 
And then the freelance career, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, it just started drying up, like all these companies that would hire me to do game box art and magazine covers that just was ending. And I was like, ah, you know, kind of what's going on? <laughs> and, uh, and it was another low point, you know, I was, wasn't getting much work. Uh, and I decided to kind of take the money I had out of my savings and, and I used it um, because I was accepted into this workshop in Germany by this artist that I really admire, his work, uh, Sebastian Kruger. And he's this amazing portrait artist. And he started his career as a caricature artist. And, uh, but these really amazing caricatures, like, you know, realistically rendered, even though they're greatly distorted and, you know, caricatured, but the skin looked like real skin texture and, and that kind of thing. And so he just did these amazing things. And, uh, and then he, over the years, he kind of started being more and more realistic. And, and so I, I showed him some of my stuff and they, they only let, I guess, 20 people around the world in every year to this workshop. And I got in and I was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get in. Because you, you basically, you're, you're there with him in a studio and you're watching him paint and you're watching his process and all the students have easels too. And so you're getting to paint right there with him too. And it's just like the most amazing experience. I'm really, really glad I did. And so the moral of that story is like, you know, if you feel passionate enough about something and you really want to do it, like just do it. Because, uh, you know, that's kind of when my career started taking a turn for the better again. You know, I, I got, uh, learned some things and applied it to my work. And then after a couple of years, I really started kind of developing my look that I'm kind of doing now with the monster portraits and so forth. And, uh, and probably had I not done that trip, but, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Kind of almost gave you a reset in uh, some ways, yeah. kind of realizing that there's more out there, kind of change of scenery, different environment for a while, kind of getting the gears going again, kind of kickstarting it. Right. You know, there were some other things in my life that were going on too that were kind of bringing me down and weighing me down. That, you know, I went through a, kind of a difficult spell. So there was some other things where I really kind of had to pull myself up and out of it and like, okay, let's, let's get serious and focus again you know and uh yeah and so that's kind of pretty much uh, life-changing uh lessons you still obviously have with you to this day i'm assuming over right 15 about 15 years ago something along those lines uh no it wasn't quite that far ago i think the first i think it was 08 was the first time i went okay and then i went back again a couple of years later with my uh with my then fiance, who's now my wife. Oh. She's a painter and artist too. And a sculptor. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, like that's always like the question is like, do you do you end up with somebody <laughs> who is into the same thing you are because they can understand you? Or do you end up with somebody who is the complete opposite because oh, I I think that's why it's working. Um 
I mean, I've, uh, I've been with other people that were creative in other areas. Um, but I've been with people that were not at all, you know, and, uh, it's, it's working out really amazing because she, my wife now knows, uh, like, Hey, I need to, I need, you, you, you need that alone time. You need that time, time to just be in your head and your own headspace for a while. Or, or she gets it too. Cause, uh, you know, she, she needs that a long time too, to, to do her art. Um, and so it's, it's worked out great. And then, you know, we come together too and I'll, I'll show her what I'm working on. She shows me what she's working on. And I get feedback from her. I can yeah. Say, I have this. <laughs> I have to think that that, yeah, that's a really good situation to be in. Cause I mean, like I've always wondered that because, you know, like I do, I mean, like graphic design stuff and it's, it's always a thought is like, would it, would it be nice to have that person close by to you mm-hmm. that you can like kind of collaborate with or get that feedback from, or like you're saying, even just the kind of moments of they know, okay, you know, you need to have your alone time because you're working on this project Mm-hmm. And there's just certain mental spaces you have to be in in for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just worked out the best so far. I mean, I've dated other artistic people, and it, it hasn't worked out. But, you know, they've kind of been on <laughs> the crazier side of the spectrum. <laughs> um, right, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something, but it was so uh, I know. out I'm there. Sure you, I'm sure I was going to ask you and Molly if you've seen the new trend in anime and gaming, try to bring it back around it. <laughs> I With know the, uh, the 2D wives and, and creating... Uh, what? Br- <laughs> I don't know this trend. Just, just humor him, just humor Terry. Just, okay. just say, oh yeah, that's, that's great. And then just, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were saying, Molly? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go down that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the gamers of 2015. Ah, uh, yes. So actually, Terry's a big inspiration, actually. Wait, what? Terry's actually a big inspiration. On what? Just where, in where life, we, yeah. Where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> Anthony, there's some things we keep private. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. How about that Tomb Raider? Hmm. That's a very nice story, though. It has a well, I, you know. a happy ending. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I I kind of had. Given up hope for a while there. So, what, where, um, what would you be doing work-wise if your art hadn't worked out? Like, what I joked about that? I, I always kind of go into like, you know, if if this career falls apart, I'll just go into body work on cars or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't. I couldn't do much other things than art. I like doing woodworking a little bit, but I think, you know, that's just kind of hobby stuff. And every now and then I, I'll get a little 
uh, little itch to, to work on some kind of project around the house. Like, you know, man, this stuff. Put up some shelves. I, I was just going to say, you know, I, 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 I <laughs> wish I was good at that stuff, but I am so not a manly man. I just have zero talent when it comes to any of that stuff with woodworking or car. I I especially wish I was better with the car because that's actually a great, that's a fantastic knowledge to have. I mean, older cars I can kind of work on. The newer cars Mm -hmm. with all the computerized this and that, it's like, uh, no. (laughs) But like, I, I have an older project car I tinker around on. That's kind of fun. 1968 Galaxy 500. Wow. Yeah. You still doing that big uh, beastly Mad Max uh, car project? Uh, I am. It's been mostly secret until now. Oh. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a. Well, that's not under any sort of NDA, right? No, no, no. Um. Yes, I, I am a big fan of that movie, and in fact, I am in process of having the Mad Max Interceptor built for me right now. Wow. So That's hardcore. That will be done in a, maybe a year or so. Oh, yeah, wow. I can't wait. <laughs> so how, how do you feel about all these, like, newfangled fans because of Fury Road that, like, you know, weren't, you know, there, weren't there for the long haul? Exactly. Are you a movie guy too, Molly? Are you kind of into the movies, or are you more a gamer and like movies a little bit? I mean, I like. Admittedly, I've seen just very small pieces of Mad Max, so mm. not into that. I mean, I do. I love movies, but my movie tastes are really weird. Like, I'm right. big into like zom- zombies and stuff, and yeah, I like zombie movies too. I'm yeah. Movie. Well. Yeah, I, I had some issues with the new Mad Max. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Like, I have this kind of backlog because um, I wanted like the the I, I picked up. I uh, I don't know if you're a fan of any of these, but I picked up um, Edge of Tomorrow and John oh, Wick yeah. and uh, John Wick and Kingsman, and I just I'd seen Kingsman. And I just got through Edge of Tomorrow, so I have to get to John Wick next. Edge of Tomorrow is the Tom Cruise one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one's great. I love that movie. And then Mad Max is kind of like one of my next ones after that. that I want to get Mad to. Max as a standalone movie on a whole, it's great. I mean, it's a brilliant movie. It's it's brilliant filmmaking. It's creative. The stunts and the cars are insane. It's Most of it is done practical, you know, like those are real cars crashing into each other and for the most part, like 90%, you know, some of it's enhanced with CG, but, and so the creativeness of the world and, and the characters and all that, it's, it's great. Where I have problem is being a sequel to the road warrior and Mad Max and really looking forward to it being Mad Max. Uh, you know, it, it's, the movie is more about, Charlie's Theron's character. Right. So Mad right. Max is pretty much just the sidekick for most of the movie. I mean, he, he does his thing here and there, but 
I, I really don't like what they did with the character, but as a movie, it's super entertaining. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's great, visually stunning, amazing piece of work, but I, I don't like what they did with now, the character now you, at all. Now, you do say that, and like I said, I am not an expert on Mad Max, so I cannot mm-hmm. speak my, my own opinions on this, but I have heard other fans of the franchise kind of say that Max was always like a vehicle for what was going on around him, you know, and he was this, I mean, he was the main character, but he wasn't necessarily like the focus all the time. I mean, would, would you argue that other movies previously, I don't I know if like, like Thunderdome was a good example of kind of disagree with that statement. Hmm. Well, Thunderdome is not the strongest of the three, right? Thunderdome up to a point is a great movie. And then it kind of devolves into some, other areas where you're like, eh. but that was the first movie he made in the Hollywood system. So I think they were like, oh, it's got to soften it up a little bit. Can't be so violent, Mr. Miller. <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh, let's let's have a whole team of kids in the movies. <laughs> it's like what? Mad Max are not children's movies. <laughs> it's just like, what is going on? Anyway, but Road Warrior is is I think most people agree is, is the best of, of them all. Um, and I would argue that I, I'd say that movie is more about Max than any of them. You're, you're experiencing that whole movie pretty much through his eyes. Like you're, you're following him along his kind of how he wanders through the wasteland and he finds this group of people and is he going to help them? Is he not going to help them? And, and he's, it, He's kind of it's a it's more of an intimate movie, um, if you can call it that, because it is it is more a character study on Max and how he's experiencing everything and his choices um, that he makes and how it affects the outcome of his his own self and the people around him and. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, th- I think, uh, you know, Mel Gibson's Mad Max was was a lot deeper of a character and a more, you know, well thought out character. The, the one, you know, the new guy is just kind of this grunting animal man for most of the movies. Like, there's maybe they, more more layers to the Mel Gibson character. More, oh yeah, much yeah. more layers. Like you can see, he's like this damaged guy. You know, he he lost everything, and he's been in the wasteland. And it's like he, he's a good guy, but you know, he just kind of turned his back on humanity a little bit. Not not to make excuses. But do you think in the latest Mad Max, the Max character, they were kind of letting maybe more of the visuals? kind of speak for itself maybe that's why they limited the i think so and i and which would make sense because i think um you kind of draw one's own conclusion and kind of fit like use one's imagination and fill in the gaps not saying that that's better because your statements are true right you know if if you uh read some of the articles about george miller who you know wrote and directed this all of them actually uh he wanted to do this basically one big chase movie. I mean, there's, there's chase movies in all the films, but other things happen. This one is mostly about the chase. It's 
you know, almost start to finish. To, to steal a statement from a friend, I mean, the latest Mad Max is essentially a nonstop two-hour mind F-U-C-K. Whoa. <laughs> but isn't that true? I mean, it gives you anxiety. The The movie gives you anxiety because, yeah. it's, I mean, it's like... I don't know if it messes what, with your mind. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I don't think this is one of those movies like where it ended... You're like, oh my god, that was so deep. Like, what the hell did I just watch? And it, this was just like, you feel like you're gonna have like, it's a lot of palpitations, yeah, and you're waiting for a like a moment of, of, to right. just stop for a second. There are moments where it stops. I mean, people say it's nonstop action. It's like, no, there's, there's, you know, you need your calm moments too. And there's, there's a handful of the calm moments, but I mean, it's, it's driving. No pun intended. It's a driving force, you know. <laughs> right. right. Like the adrenaline, it, you, you're on the edge of your seat for, you know, most of the movie. It's it's right. But what I was going to say is George Miller, he he didn't write a script for this movie. He storyboarded the whole thing first. So he basically just wanted to make this this crazy action movie, which is why maybe there isn't the character development of Max that there was in some of the other ones. Mm. Um, they, they touch on it a little bit at the beginning. You know, his, his opening, there's like a little monologue, interior monologue that he's like, uh, Max, my world is fire and blood, and I'm crazy <laughs> now. <laughs> but yeah, they, they took the Mad Max into the realm of like, oh, he's, he, he went mad. That's what happened to him. He's not, it's not like mad as far as out for vengeance. He's 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 crazy, <laughs> um, which is why he's kind of this weird grunting animal man. <laughs> I don't know, but like I said, it's it's a great movie. It's worth seeing. Uh, it's I mean, but it's 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 shocking that we can still get movies like that these days. So like I mean, like it's no. like, that's the kind of movie that you think is just well gone, it's a rarity you know it's from, a, from an it's era a that doesn't exist anymore but like i said i'm i'm a hardcore road warrior fan i'm like that's my movie so it's it's hard to measure up to that so but i i, I don't want to diminish you know the, the fury road because what, what they did with actually uh charlie's theron's character imperator furiosa like she was actually really developed and so i mean i think once I got over the fact that, okay, this isn't really about Max, right? This movie isn't really about Max at all. It's about her. And I kind of got over that. And then I was like, okay, I will enjoy the movie now. Because it was really, it's really her movie. And then towards the end, you know, Max kind of comes in as, on as his own. But, uh, you know, uh, in the first two Mad Max movies, you don't know much about him other than he's kind of a badass but then you you're actually seeing why this guy is a badass like he he does some cool shit you know he's um it, it seems like in the new movie that's like well everyone already knows that max is supposed to be a badass so we're not really gonna show you why he's a badass if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of a given. They expect everyone to know that kind of a right. Exactly. Conclusion. Like, well, it's a given. He's Mad Max, so we don't need to go into how or why he's badass. But I mean, you know, he he does some awesome 
action stuff and you know superhuman crazy stunt stuff <laughs> hey on the bright side with having to take that as a given uh it's better than uh superman batman and spider-man where they feel like they have to reboot it and tell the same origin story oh god every five yeah. years. that's so painful <laughs> It's like we get it. Spider-Man was bitten by a spider. We get it. <laughs> you would think there was nothing else, no other story to tell. Yeah. After we just got done uh, the call back to earlier in the show where there's 865,000 comics for each series. Mm-hmm. And they keep telling issue number one. Well, I think it's because, I mean, it's, I think it's really easy to know what to do with an origin story. Because there's, there's a built-in interest there of, you know, how does this character get to be who they're going to be and sure. and what do you you know how are they do with that and it's like we talked about tomb raider earlier like i think going forward then the the series is going to be really tough to pull off <laughs> because the first one is easier because you're showing laura becoming laura croft for the first time you know but right once they become that character like what do you do with them to keep them interesting and that's why i think they reboot mm. so often is because it's That's hard. A good point. It's hard to know what you do with a character like past that point. No, that's true. That's a good point. But I will say this reboot of Tomb Raider has a lot more life in it, unless they feel the need to have Laura, you know, uh, get implants and Botox <laughs> and cut her waist down to you know four inches. Well, that's that's so, why she's doing what she's doing to find treasures to sell for <laughs> the money for surgery. So. That stuff is not expensive. Right. I mean, that that's not, be, not cheap, Anthony. That would be... That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> and we've come full circle. <laughs> this is the young Laura, isn't it? <laughs> is it not? Uh, <laughs> Anthony, oh, come on. Terry, come on, now. Terry. Uh, speaking you know, of speaking of franchises and series that have rebirthed and rejuvenated a franchise... You are unreal. How about that Terminator Genesis? You know, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Please don't. I heard it was Please don't. not good. And the saddest thing, we discussed this in private, is that the movie essentially didn't make good enough numbers here. It essentially kind of bombed. Mm. So they they put a halt to the, new, the trilogy or whatever it was. And mm. now I dare say it probably got greenlit again. Because on a global scale, the movie made buku bucks. Mm. Mm. Yeah, what a tragedy! Oh, one of the worst. One of the worst movies. One of the worst pieces of garbage of all time. James Cameron is probably shaking his head. No, but no, he said that. It, he just... Oh, uh, you know what? My uh, a buddy told me what you're going to tell me. Yeah, I heard this story too. This is <laughs> such bull. He said it got him yeah. reinvigorated in the series. And <laughs> Like he saw well. a bunch of things that he recognized and stuff. Was he? Was he sometimes, drunk? Sometimes, sometimes people might be saying things as a favor. You know what I do have high hopes for? Uh, the reboot of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> the dark, it's, but it's dark and gritty now, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, dark, dark. The kids That's are. I feral. <laughs> and this person I'm about to mention, this director. His track record has not been perfect. Uh-oh. But I am looking forward to Neil Blomkamp's vision oh. on the next uh, Alien. I'm curious. Neil Blomkamp? 
the one who did um, uh, District thought, Nine, Chappie. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He is taking over. I was thinking of. Uh, I was thinking of the prequel to Alien. Well, Wars. and but now it's funny you mentioned that Prometheus, which I personally right, kind Prometheus. of liked, which I did like. Um, Prometheus Two may ironically halt. Uh, timing on Neil Blomkamp's Alien just because of timing and release, but I kind of, I'm kind of interested to see his more first. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm curious too. He's, he's done some interesting things. Yeah, unless he play, unless he places the story of Alien in South Africa as well. <laughs> I think that's actually what's happening. Oh, get out of here! I don't know. Would <laughs> <laughs> be surprised. But uh, yeah. And, and his favorite actor is going to be the alien. <laughs> and he's just, he's just trying to, he's trying to get a job, you know, and he's like, it's really <laughs> right. tough and he keeps running into like indiscrimination and stuff. And, right. He keeps running into discrimination. Yeah. I, I do believe Sigourney Weaver is supposed to return though. That's what I heard. Yeah. Because she did like the, the concept. And I think this takes place between. Yeah, there is it between one and two. They're making it as if three and beyond never existed. This exactly is, never happened. Yeah. yeah. So or yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that'll be uh, interesting. Well, four Alien Four was oof. the Winona Ryder one. Oh man, that was rough. <laughs> was that the French one? Yeah, which was sad because I like that director a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. should we uh, I'll do our final round of plugs here? Sure. We want to thank uh, Terry Wolfinger for coming back on this very special DLC pack number three of the Generic Video Game Podcast. It's the second part of the interview with Terry Wolfinger, 11 months removed from <laughs> his first appearance in November of 15. I know. Uh, with a year older. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a number. That's true. And don't forget, you can find Terry Wolfinger on Twitter, just like it sounds. First name, last name, T E R R Y W O L F I N G E R. You can also do the same by searching on Instagram. Uh, you can find the art of Terry Wolfinger on Facebook. And don't forget to check out, once again, wolfinger.bigcartel.com and look out for his latest and greatest works coming March 2016 at Monster Palooza. And with that, for myself, Anthony, alongside Molly, we want to thank all of the Generic Video Game Podcast fans, all of those at radio.morningproject.com. And episode 13 of GVGP will be coming at you in just a couple more weeks. So until then, have a great one.